You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. All right, welcome into the newest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Katie Colgan. Katie, welcome on in. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, Katie. Why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself, where you're from, um, what got you into PT in the first place, and more particularly, what got you into sports PT? Okay, awesome. So I'm from New Hyde Park, New York, which is on Long Island. Um, I went to school at the University of Pittsburgh for undergrad and for PT school. So that's kind of like where my background in PT kind of started. I thought I maybe wanted to go into healthcare, but I wasn't really sure. Um, And I did some observation hours in the athletic training room and was working in some outpatient ortho clinics. And that's how I realized I was like, oh, I can really see myself doing this. I like working one-on-one with patients and kind of building that rapport with people. And working with the athletes is always exciting for me. Um, so then I ended up like going to PT school, also at Pitt, and it was a really great learning experience for me. Um, in terms of getting into sports PT, I did a lot of clinical rotations through my time at Pitt, and most of them were outpatient ortho. I did a little bit of peds, a little bit of acute care, and my last rotation, which is a year long, is in a sports medicine clinic. Um, so I worked in an outpatient clinic. I worked at a D3 college, and I was treating mostly athletes throughout that experience. And I was like, oh, you know, if I think that I really like this, I might pursue residency. I might really specialize in sports PT because I was leading in that direction, and that's why I chose that clinical. But it really solidified my interest in the field. As soon as I started it, I knew that I wanted to pursue a residency to kind of get more knowledge in this field and to specialize a little bit more. So it's been a great experience so far. Yeah, and then talk to us a little bit about the residency residency that you ended up pursuing. Yeah, so I completed my residency at Massachusetts General Hospital and Northeastern University up in Boston. Um, which was just a great learning experience for me. All the people there are amazing, and I got to learn so much from them. So what I liked about my residency was that I was doing part of it with the outpatient like hospital clinic at MGH, but then I also was covering D1 athletic events at Northeastern, and I was teaching there. I was involved with like a little bit of research stuff as well. So it's a really broad spectrum of things that I got to cover. But something that's like kind of unique about the MGH residency is that I got a lot of experience in concussion. So I got to learn from Lenore Hergit, who is a really um, amazing concussion specialist in Boston and taught me a lot of concussion stuff, which is kind of unique. Um, is there any area of sports that you're particularly interested in or are you kind of just anything that you'll that they give you you'll take? I kind of like a mix. Um, I really like working with a variation of things, but I do tend to gravitate towards the lower extremity. I really like that kind of stuff. But like I said, a little bit of everything, honestly, keeps it interesting. And what in particular makes sports so fulfilling to you? You know, people always ask that question, like why ortho versus sports? Because ortho is, you know, sport like heavily involved in sports, but like what made you want to do sports particularly over just general orthopedics? I 
like I said, I kind of got into that clinical where I was treating more athletes and stuff like that. And I got to, because it was a year long, I was taking patients through their entire plan of care, a lot of ACLs all the way through and labor repairs and stuff like that, which was really fulfilling for me because often athletes have, they come in, they're really motivated and they have their goal to get back to sport. So it's really fulfilling to be able to get them back to that point and be with them every step of the way, kind of guiding their rehab. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. Okay, awesome. I think that's one thing um, with sports that's so great because you come in when a person's like at, you know, their quote unquote lowest, like right after injury or right after surgery, and then being able to help guide them all the way back to, you know, getting the confidence to jump and run and cut again all the way back to them playing at a highly competitive level. That's, you know, one of the most enticing things about sports, I think. Okay. So now that you've been in the quote, now that you've been in the quote unquote industry of sports for a while now, what are some challenges that you face as a sports clinician that you did not expect to pop up? Um, for me, I would say insurance is probably one of the biggest hurdles. Now I work in a private outpatient clinic and it's a lot easier when you're, you know, working for the university and you don't have any limit on visits. Whereas now I'm thinking about how I have to take the patient through their entire plan of care and I only have a certain number of visits where I'll be able to see them. So making the most of those and, you know, using a lot of visits when you need to, but saving them if you don't need to. That's definitely been something that I've been trying to figure out. Um, in addition to just like balancing I work with multiple patients at the same time, so making sure that all of them are getting as much one-on-one -on -one care as I'm able to give them and as much quality care as I can provide. Right, and so that the insurance thing, I think, is something all outpatient, whether it's neuro or orthopedics or sports, all PTs deal with. Um, so how have you like kind of gone along long to like learn more about it and make sure that you're optimizing every patient's like visit amount to make sure they can get the best care possible? So for me, the biggest resource has been talking to mentors at the different clinics that I've been working at um, and asking them, you know, if there's something that I should be including in my notes that will make it more likely that I'll be able to get more visits or if, you know, they know anything about certain insurances. Um, that's been a big part of it. And I also try to, you know, engage in like continuing ed that's offered by my company and things like that so I can get more information because it's something that before graduating PT school, I didn't really have too much knowledge about. So it's definitely been a learning process over the last few years. Right. And, you know, we get that for us, at least we had like one class on insurance, but at the time it was months before we even graduated and, you know, it kind of all went over my head. And then when I was actually in the clinic, I did not remember as much as I should have. Um, so it's something that we don't think about until it's actually hitting us right in the face. I definitely agree for sure. Okay, so kind of going off that last um, answer that you had when talking about mentorship, um, what's something that you would recommend for you know people that want to get into sports PT when looking for a mentor, whether it be you know in a clinic or whether it be online through like the AASPT like Mobilize or just if they happen to you know mesh mesh well with someone that they've talked to online? Yeah. Um, so for me. I definitely gained mentorship through residency, which is kind of a formal mentorship program um, where you have set mentoring time set aside each week where you're kind of meeting with um, 
for me, it was like I had one mentor at Northeastern and one mentor at MGH, well, really two, one concussion mentor, one orthopedic mentor. Um, and that was really structured and awesome. And I could kind of pick their green, brains and talk to them about different topics. But I also have a lot of different mentors just from my clinicals. I still keep in touch with some of my CIs um, and some of my professors at Pitt. And also the clinic that I'm working at now has a bunch of seasoned professionals who have taken the time to kind of mentor me and make sure that I'm getting the most of my experience there, which has been amazing so far. I've only been at my new job for about a month or so, but it's been great so far. Because I think that's one thing that for PTs that are just going out into a clinic or into the hospital, that that mentorship is so hard to look for because everyone expects you once you're out, it's like, all right, you should be free to go. But in reality, there's a lot of like little things that we don't know how to do. And so I think looking for someone that is willing to kind of take you under their wing and walk you through the different little things that you might miss unless you've been working there for 15 years is something that's really valuable. So now that you've had about a month of experience and you're in the outpatient setting, how is collaborating and communicating with, you know, different members of the sports medicine team, like surgeons or athletic trainers or, you know, coaches, how is that different than when you were doing a residency? Um, so I'm, I'm really lucky actually, because the clinic that I'm working at, they have our main referral source is, um, New York sports medicine, which is like on the same floor as us. So we can walk across the hall and talk to the surgeons and we have a really good rapport with them and we're able to keep that communication really open, which is great. Um, and also some of the athletic trainers in the, you know, in the vicinity, they know my clinic. My director has been around for a really long time and own the clinic that I work at now for almost 20 years. So he's very well known in the community. And that makes it easy to kind of have that go between between the athletic trainer and the surgeon and me. It's definitely so important. And it's such a integral part of the rehab process that you have to make sure that you're doing everything that you can for that. Kind of going more into that, what do you think, or how do you think a, a good PT should communicate with all those team members? Because we are pretty, I think PT is like relatively isolated unless you have a clinical where you're working like hand in hand with the surgeons and like seeing post-op patients or you're in the vicinity, like you said, of uh, athletic trainers or other like, you know, sports medicine physicians. Um, what's the best like piece of advice you could give to someone to communicating with other members of the sports medicine team? Definitely. Um, I think this is similar to what I would say about mentorship as well, which is you should just ask. You don't have to be, you know, annoying and badger someone, but reaching out and providing that line of communication with the athletic trainer, with the surgeon is so important. And once they see that you're willing to put in the time, they're almost always willing to respond to that, which is what I found with mentorship as well. Um, I think a lot of it, too, as physical therapists is making sure that you recognize that athletic trainers are also professionals and respecting their knowledge just as much as the physicians. That can definitely be a major part of things and making sure that you're not, you know, talking down to them or anything like that is really important, I've found. Right. And I think this is actually pretty topical because um, this weekend, uh, Vien Vu just put it out a uh, there was another author, I don't remember their name, but he just put out that paper about the turf war between athletic trainers and PTs. 
and basically how that it should be more of a collaboration and not so much of stepping on each other's toes and arguing whose territory is who, but in reality, we should just be working for the betterment of the athlete and betterment of the patient. Yeah, I read that and I totally agree with everything that VM was saying. Um, I thought it was an excellent article and I totally agree. I think, you know, athletic trainers have a different skill set than physical therapists do. And both of those can come together, like you said, for the best care that you can provide. So why would we not use that if we have the option? Right. And in my experience, the athletic trainers that I've worked with are all great. And they're, they always ask questions about how PT does thing. And I'm, they're always willing to like bounce ideas off of how they approach treatment or even like just give me general advice of like how to deal, work better with like acute injuries, like if we're working on the sideline together. Um, and I think that's like the best way to go about it instead of, you know, bickering over like, oh, this is my area of expertise and you shouldn't like cross over it. coming from both sides from PT and athletic training. Okay. So speaking more generally, what to you makes a good sports PT? Sure. Uh, we've kind of touched on some of the things that I feel, but in general, I think being open to learning more at all times is going to be so important. As we know, literature is always changing, science is evolving, and that's a good thing, but it means that you're going to have to be flexible with your care. So making sure that you're open to changing your process and learning from athletic trainers, physicians, strength and conditioning coaches is only going to make you a better physical therapist. So for me, I think it's being open to learning and growing throughout your career. Um, and I also think having a strong communication skill is going to be absolutely integral to both the other members of the sports medicine team, but probably even more importantly to your patient. Being able to communicate with them about what's going on, what you're going to be doing, and why is going to really facilitate that patient buy-in, which will give you the best possible outcome for the patient. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I think um, I think everyone, whether you're doing sports or outpatient or acute care, I think that's all good, valuable advice for them. Um, so now that uh, you've been in it, how has your view of sports PT changed from when you were like started PT school versus now? Like, has there any, has your expectations shifted at all? Or has there been a perception that has completely changed because of your experiences? Deficits. So obviously sports PT, often you have to get creative and think about what their sports demands are and incorporate that into your rehab. But it's not really any different than any other PT. So that was something that I was nervous about going into doing sports clinicals and stuff like that, that I've kind of gotten a lot more comfortable with. And also just being creative and doing, you know, what fits the patient's goals, even if it doesn't really make sense in your head. Now that you've um, been out of residency for a while now, um, kind of walk us through a day of what it would be for an MGH slash Northeastern sports resident, just to give people a picture, a better picture of what the program is like if they've never heard of it. So I will say every day um, is a little bit different. It's probably easier for me to describe my week a little bit. Um, but typically we would be in the Mass General Clinic uh, two and a half to three days a week. So we did 30 hours at the Mass General Clinic. And then we did 10 hours in the Northeastern Athletic Training Room. And that would be all PT stuff. We would be treating athletes, um, often like long-term or post-op athletes. 
And we also were involved with teaching. So during the semester, we would be teaching for um, about six hours a week. Um, And that was usually on the days that we were at Northeastern. So we would be in the athletic training room in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we would be teaching. And then on the weekends, we would be um, covering games often. So I worked mostly with men's hockey and women's basketball when they were in season. But I also did some soccer. I did some track and field, a little bit of everything. So that kind of keeps it interesting. And then we had regular didactic and mentoring time. And we also kind of spattered in some research stuff and other learning opportunities like um, learning from uh, musculoskeletal radiologists, learning concussion stuff. All of that was kind of sprinkled in as it was fit throughout the residency program. Right. And so I think all residency programs are a little bit different in how their didactic portions work. But how did um, Northeastern's in particular work? So we actually took two classes through Northeastern. So one was um, advanced topics in orthopedics and the other one was introduction to sports medicine. So that was considered part of our didactic when we would be in class. But a lot of it was also just kind of self-guided articles and journal clubs and things like that. And then we would have two hours a week roughly set aside where we would discuss those with our mentor and we would ask questions and he would answer them. Often it would be based on patients that we were seeing and articles that we were reading. And it was kind of stepwise. So when we were teaching the elbow in uh, musculoskeletal, for example, we were also reading articles about the elbow. So it kind of worked like that where it made it a little bit easier for us to carry things over, which I really liked. Right. And I think um, that's something that is, you know, is probably really good because to continue your education, having that structured time, because when you're working full time, it's, it's tough to find time to like, you know, keep up to date on literature or unless you have a particular patient want to learn about something because after a 40 hour work week, you're like, there's no time to, you know, fit in this extra little bit of research unless you have downtime between patients and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so what made you want to go into private outpatient practice versus working in a different type of sports setting? So for me, it was the opportunities that this specific clinic was giving me. So I'm working with people who have been in the field for a really long time who are super knowledgeable. And they basically intimated to me that I would be learning from them and getting mentorship from them, which even though I'm done with residency is still really important to me. Um, So that was definitely part of it. Part of it was also that I knew that I would be seeing a high level of a sports caseload based on their patient population. And I knew that I wanted to continue doing that and have most of my population be sports patients. So that was definitely part of it. Um, One of the really big key things that they offered me was that I'll be helping out at a D3 college, hopefully in the upcoming months pending COVID restrictions and stuff. But um, we'll go over there and treat the athletes and kind of give a PT side of things, work closely with the athletic trainers. So I really like working with collegiate athletics, and that's something that I want to continue doing. So that was a big opportunity for me that is awesome, that is kind of on top of my actual job, but due to the people that I'll be, that I am working with and will continue to be working with. Right. And yeah, I asked that because we've interviewed, I've interviewed a couple of people and everyone's worked from, you know, professional sports to collegiate sports to um, other private outpatient clinics and stuff. And um, the reason I kind of created this podcast is to kind of find out different ways people can be involved in sports. 
Um, because in PT school, sports is just like, oh, you know, you can go to orthopedic and you might see a couple of rotator cuff patients or, you know, every once in a while you get an ACL patient. But to like kind of show that there's a broad, you know, range of ways to be involved in sports like heavily. Um, so I think that's a great answer and, you know, great reasons to look for, not just, you know, location or, you know, what type of athletes you're going to be working with, but, you know, ensuring that you have good mentorship is also a super important part of choosing a job. Um, on that note, Katie, I really appreciate your time and really appreciate you sharing your experiences. You've given a lot of great answers and spread a lot of great wisdom. So I appreciate it. Is there anything that you would like to plug social media or anything like that? Um, I, ha- I have a Twitter, I guess. So it's at K- the letters KT underscore DPT. Uh, that's pretty much it in terms of social media or anything, but sometimes I tweet on there. I'm not too exciting really, but, um, I'm also the teammates coordinator for the sports Academy. This is probably more plugging than my, uh, social media, but I basically facilitate a networking event. Usually it happens in coordination with our annual meeting and with CSM. Um, and one of the perks of COVID has been that we also transitioned it to an online event. So it's an opportunity for students and young professionals to get to meet with seasoned professionals in the field and talk to them about sports PT, their experience and things like that. So that will be happening in a few weeks. I can, maybe you can share the link if I give it to you, um, along with your podcast. Okay. Awesome. But it's very cheap for students, and it's a really so far has been a really awesome opportunity for people to make connections and get involved just from their house via the virtual event. But we'll also be at CSM too in a few few months, so keep a lookout for that. Okay, gotcha. And so, is it just like a networking event where you can meet up with different people from different backgrounds and different places? Yeah. So. Usually we either, on the virtual event, we assign you to a table, and that's based on your interest. So there's a lower extremity athlete table, there's a collegiate sports table, there's an upper extremity athlete table, etc. Um, and there will be captains at each table who serve as mentors to the rookies who are young professionals or students who are looking to gain more knowledge on the topic or get involved in the field. And we also have a lot of stuff about residencies too, where directors can kind of promote their programs and kind of gain applicants, answer questions and things like that. So it's like a one-on-one pairing, but you can move from room to room. So you can learn a lot about a bunch of different topics in a short amount of time. Um, I will definitely get the, make sure I get the link from you and make sure I put it on social media and also in the link, I'll make sure I put it in the description um, below the podcast for everything. Um, Again, Katie, thank you so much for um, taking some time out of your busy day after a long day of work. Um, And that is the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much to Katie Colgan for coming on the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed listening to Katie, and want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. 